Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Amen and amen. Now let's give the Lord a good hand clap. Come on, everybody. Woo, he's so good. He is just so good. Well, last week, I got to dive in. We got a lot to do, and we're talking about broken arrows, and I'm really going to give you some, uh, it, it might not look like theology, but I'm going to give you a lot of theology on grace, which is the first step to understanding how the broken arrows are healed. So let's dive in. Last week, I introduced you to a character in scriptures. He's one of my favorite characters. He's an unknown guy. Not, you don't hear many messages about him. His name is Mephibosheth. And his story starts around 2 Samuel chapter number 4. And here's what his story looks like. Saul was the very first king of Israel. And so his son was heir apparent to the throne. His son was Jonathan. Jonathan became great friends with a man by the name of David. David is the guy that killed Goliath. Okay, David is going to be a foreshadow in this message of who Jesus will come to be in the New Testament for us. So Saul's the first king, then we got Jonathan, and then when Jonathan's done being king, his son, which happens to be Mephibosheth, would be next in line to rule and reign under the umbrella of the kingdom. All right? I'm already preaching, everybody, okay? And the problem was is that Jonathan and his father Saul died on the battlefield. And Mephibosheth was left with a babysitter or a caretaker. Actually, the Bible called her a nurse. And when she heard the news of them dying, she assumed that the enemies had killed them and the enemies were going to come and annihilate the rest of the family lineage. So she picked up Mephibosheth to run and hide with him. And in the process of picking him up, the Bible says that she dropped him and he became crippled in both legs. And uh, so that's the character. Leaving him for the rest of his life until David intervenes. Remember, David is a picture of Jesus. All of us are damaged at some level until we allow the King Jesus to intervene in our lives, right? And so Mephibosheth is a picture of where many of us find ourselves today, whether you're listening online. And by the way, I made a mistake. I wanted to welcome all our tiny house village that is watching online this morning. We welcome you and thank you for being with us. So Mephibosheth, he he gives us a picture of what it can look like to be rescued out of the slums and brought into the kingdom. The thing about the story is that his legs are never healed. And, and, and it makes me consider something that I think that every once in a while as Christians we should consider. Because sometimes we preach a gospel message that says once you come to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Matter of fact, we sing gospel songs about that. We sing songs that everything's going to be all right. But how many of you know just because you're a Jesus follower doesn't make Mondays always merry? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? I know it'll all be all right in the sweet by and by, but how many are struggling in the meantime while we're waiting on the bus to come pick us up, right? There's some battles. There's some struggles. There's financial issues, marital issues, relational issues, health issues, all kind of battles. And what happens is Mephibosheth gives us a picture of what it looks like to be delivered but to be damaged. Mm. 
And, and what do you do when you're saved, but you're still struggling? You're, you're saved, you're in a new kingdom, living under the authority of a new king, but you're still struggling with an old problem. Ah. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Uh, you're saved, but you're struggling. He was dropped. And when he was dropped, the Bible, one translation says he was disabled. And I've come to learn in my life, and I'm sure you have also, that disabled moves beyond just the physical. That it is possible to be disabled, or if I could use the word in this PC world, to be handicapped is more than just being handicapped in the physical. Being disabled moves beyond broken legs and broken arms and broken backs. And being disabled, can, you can also be disabled emotionally. And you can be disabled or handicapped or hurt or wounded also spiritually. How many know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And the problem is we put a lot of attention on the physical brokenness, but we like to hide. When we get a physical brokenness, we have people sign our cast. But when we have a soul broken, we hide it and don't want anybody to know about it. Mm -hmm. We, 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 we are calling the individuals with broken emotions, which every one of us at some level have some broken emotions. We're calling them in this series the broken arrows. And, 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 and you might feel like you're going through life with, with, with this nagging feeling that, man, I should have got victory over this issue by now. The nagging feeling of, I should be farther along by now. I've been serving Jesus for a long, long time, but I still have this brokenness about me. And I would submit it is because uh, uh, maybe oftentimes either we as a church are guilty, but we often we deal with the spiritual, which is wonderful. But Jesus came not to just give us life in the sweet by and by, but abundant life, healthy life, life-giving life while we're here in, on this earth. Right, everyone? So I have five things. Two of them I gave you last week, but I want to repeat them real quick. Uh, and just for your help, you remember, they all start with the letter P, and uh, just because that's how I roll, okay? And so here they are. I want to talk about Mephibosheth and see if we can't relate. So number one is the problem. We dealt with the problem last week. It's very obvious. Mephibosheth's problem was that he was dropped. And he wasn't just dropped. He, he wasn't disabled by an enemy. What makes his wound so tragic is that he was wounded by someone he trusted. I think the wounds by people that we trust go deeper than any other wounds. I think when the people we love talk about us, gossip about us, say things about us, I think those words cut deeper than any other words. Come on, am I right about that? And, and, and so the question that Mephibosheth lives with, that many of us live with, is what do you do in life when the one that was assigned to help you is the very person that ends up hurting you. Those wounds are deeper. And, and, and what happens is when the people that we love, that we trust, when they drop us, it wasn't on purpose maybe. Maybe it wasn't malicious. Every story is different. It could have been an accident. That nurse could have done the best she could with the ability she had and the strength she had under that circumstance. I'm not here to throw stones at the nurse. I'm here to elevate a crippled boy. Mm. I'm here to help people that have been damaged and yet you're delivered. You're in church. Um, and what happens when that, when that happens, it attacks the three basic needs that every one of us have. 
Every one of us, if we're breathing air, we all have three basic needs, and that's to be loved, to be accepted, and then also to be valued. And when we get dropped, when, when the fractures of our life happen, it attacks those three things that every one of us need. And, and we'll see that in the life of Mephibosheth. By the way, uh, just to be working with, the word Mephibosheth or the name Mephibosheth means shameful one. If there is anything that I've seen in the church that causes more people to shrink from all that God has for them, it is the subject of shame. I, I have shame, and we have shame not because of what we've done. We also have shame because of what somebody else has done. We have shame because of what family I come from, and it is shame. Mephibosheth is called the shameful one. There's a difference between shame and guilt. Guilt says I did something wrong. If I fix the behavior, then I can fix the guilt. But shame says I am something wrong, and I just can't fix that. But that's a lie from the pit of hell, everybody, right? So that's the problem. He's been dropped. Number two is the punishment. The punishment is this, is that we often begin to punish ourselves because we are broken and we feel shame and we feel condemnation. Now, Christians, help me with this. When we feel condemnation, does it make us want to go towards God or away from God? Yeah. And so when we are broken, what happens is we begin punishing ourselves, not by moving closer to God. We move further from God. As a pastor, I hear people say, oh, I just didn't want to come to church because I was ashamed of what I did on Saturday night. And so it pushes us farther from God. I don't, I, I don't feel like I can pray. I don't feel like I can worship. I don't feel like I can lead a ministry. I don't feel like I can be in a life group. Because subconsciously or consciously, we begin to punish ourselves and push ourselves further from the very God that we need when we're having those feelings. That's what a legalistic church preaching message will do. It'll bring condemnation, and you will always feel worse about yourself after coming to church than you did before you came to church. Come on, where's my saved from religion people in the room? Yeah? All right. And so we're frustrated in life because why is everyone else hitting the mark, but I'm not hitting the mark? Why is everybody else having this great relationship with God, but I'm not? In words like this, statements like this will come in our mind. I, I just always mess up. I, 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 I can never get it right. I'm never going to get over this. And we punish ourselves or we self-sabotage. We sabotage relationships. We sabotage marriages. We sabotage our life groups. We murder with our mouth. Because what's happening is we're punishing ourselves, saying, I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to be accepted. I don't deserve to be in that circle. So without even realizing it, we punish ourselves. Mephibosheth was punishing himself. He was living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar, by the way, is the place of no communication. All we got to know is the definition of Mephibosheth and the definition of the place he lived, the who and the where, and it explains a lot, doesn't it? The who, the shameful one, where's he living in the place where I'm not going to talk about it? What happened in this house stays in this house. I'm too ashamed, I'm too full of shame to talk about how I got dropped. It's too embarrassing. I don't want to talk about it, but it is the secrets that make us sick. And until we share our secrets, we will never get healing of the crippled legs. Come on, everybody, right? Lodabar. He was punishing himself. But something happened. Something happened before Mephibosheth was even born. 
It's found in 1 Samuel chapter number 18. I won't read it again. But uh, 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 Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, made a covenant with David. Remember, he's a picture of Jesus. He made a blood covenant with Jonathan. They, 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 they cut their hands. They, 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 they drew blood and made a covenant. And the covenant sounded like this. You can read it in 1 Samuel 18. It says, I promise that I will show kindness to your family and everyone in your family, and you will show kindness to my family and everyone in my family. Let me, let me interpret that a little bit. Uh, let me use a different word besides kindness because it's synonymous with the word grace. Isn't it great that we serve a God who is a kind God, a kind Savior, a gracious Savior, right? And so they made a covenant. And, and, and if we don't understand grace, and we don't understand this covenant, yeah, yeah, David made a covenant, but let me tell you a bigger story because all of us are Mephibosheth. And all of us have been dropped by sin. And all of us have some disabilities and some fractures and some brokenness at some level. Some are more obvious than others. But there is a God who sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, who made a blood covenant. And the scars represent the blood that was shed. Come on. And if we don't understand God's grace through Jesus' blood and that He was punished for us and, and that He made a covenant for us, what happens then is we begin to punish ourselves. Watch this. I know churchgoers that are the biggest self-punishers than anybody. Mm -hmm. So don't let it mistake. Don't mistake just because they're in church today that they've got it all together. I've watched people use religion as the tool to punish themselves for how shameful they are for the brokenness of their life. And if we're not careful, religion will pour fuel on that to try to make you look better on the outside. But Christianity is not about behavioral modification. Christianity is about a grace that is applied from within and the ankles get healed from the inside out. Come on, everybody, right? Number three. Number three is the power. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get nervous on this one because it's longer than the last two. And you're going to think that, man, if he spends this long on the last two, we're in trouble. All right? I got two minutes apiece on the last two. But this third one is going to take a little working out. And I want to talk to you about the power. The power. See, if a self-helps author was writing about Mephibosheth, they would say something about how he drug himself through the desert. He clawed his way all the way to the kingdom. And it would be, and if Mephibosheth did it, so could you. What I love about this story is the power is not dependent upon Mephibosheth. The power is in the kindness of a king. Your power is all about the grace of a Jesus. Come on now. I love this part. You, you, see, you can have crippled legs and you can still come to the king. You can have broken emotions. You can have broken marriages. You can have a broken heart. You can have a broken mind. You can have broken emotions. You can be downright broken. You do not have to get the ankles healed before you walk your way to Jesus. Because it's not about you finding Jesus. It's about Jesus has already come and found you and is ready to bring you to the kingdom. Come on. Our power is not in our ability to fix ourselves. Again, that's what religion does. Because the Bible tells us, come on, you know this. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. 
the power to hit the mark. Watch this. Let me slow down and say this a little more calm. <laughs> the power to hit the mark, the power to break the cycle of sin, the power for this arrow that's broken that will never hit the mark, the power that heals the arrow so it can hit its plans and purposes, the power for us to hit the plans and purposes and to be healed in our life. Watch this. It's going to be simple to say, but it's harder to reprogram. The, the power we need to hit the mark is found in living in grace. When we begin to live in, remember, Mephibosheth could not get to the king, but because of the king's grace, grace brought him in to all the authority and power that the kingdom had. Ah. David is a picture then of Jesus. Jesus is searching for us. Watch this. David, it's just a foreshadowing. I know, I know, David has some bad parts too, but there's just some foreshadowing of Jesus here in the Old Testament to show us what to look for. In other words, David killed Goliath. Aren't you glad that Jesus has already conquered the enemy, everybody, right? And, 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 and David came out of hiding in the cave to ascend into the kingdom. Come on, Easter story. Does that sound familiar? He comes out of the grave to ascend into the kingdom and because of a covenant that David made, now he's in the hallways of the kingdom and he's looking out upon, upon his dynasty and, and I like to imagine and he's pacing around heaven and he asked the question is there anybody out there is there any broken people is there any crippled emotion people is there any people that are living in Lodabar full of shame full of no communication is there anybody because of the scars on my hand is there anybody I can show grace to yeah. mm -hmm. watch this it's in your Bible 2nd Samuel chapter number 9 verse number 1 through 13 here's the shadow of what's going to come in the New Testament that we live under David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, if you don't know this story, Saul had been trying to kill David. If there's the last person on the earth that David wants to show kindness to is that dirty, rotten scoundrel. But grace causes him to want to share grace and kindness with the worst. Because, see, there are some in the room that say, I've been so bad towards God that God could never show me his kindness. But David, if he can in the flesh show kindness to a man that was trying to kill him, how much more can God's grace cover us when we ran and fought against God? Right, right? Now, there was a servant in Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him. We're going to talk about Ziba before we leave today. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. Notice that statement real quick. We'll come back to it. At your service. I love that Ziba says, at your service. Anything you want me to do, king. <sighs> the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Another word, if that was translated in the New Testament, is there anybody that I can show grace to? Mm. Aren't you glad that God is looking for someone to share grace with? Grace, unmerited favor. Grace can just surprise you. You don't earn it. It just surprises you. Come on. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Mekar and the son, the son of Emiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar. Uh, go to the next verse. Uh, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. 
Now watch what he says. David, the king, said, Mephibosheth, shameful one, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid. When you come to God, you don't have to be afraid of your crippledness, of your brokenness, of your issues, of your faults. Don't be afraid. I already know you're crippled. I already know you're damaged. I already know you're a broken issue, uh, a broken arrow. I already know you've been lying. I already know you've been cheating. I already know that all have sinned and come short. I already know that everyone is the son of Jonathan. I already know that everybody's name is Mephibosheth. Come on. So don't be afraid. That's not why you're here. You're not here for me to tell you what you've done wrong. Woo! Come on, I wish some churches would hear this. You are here for me to tell you that my grace is bigger than anything you've ever done wrong. Come on now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So don't be afraid, David told him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father. In other words, he's saying, I will show you grace because of the covenant that has been made. Oh, I love it. I will, watch this, here it is. Here's how we get restored arrows. I will restore you in all the land. Let me just paraphrase that. God has the ability to restore the years that have been wasted. God has the ability to restore the generations that brought curse upon you. God has the ability to restore, come on, and put joy where there has been mourning. I wish somebody today would believe that. He has the ability to restore. Amen, everybody? Yeah, okay. Let me stop right there on that verse. Uh, uh, you know what? No, I, I, let me go a little further. Give me, give, me, give me some more verses. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, watch this. Don't you feel like this sometimes? What is your servant that you should notice a broken arrow like me? A dead dog like me. When I was 13 years old, I had a pastor that preached dead dogs and fleas. And he preached out of this verse. It's the only message I could ever remember him preaching because it got a hold of my life. Because I felt like the dead dog. And that God would show kindness to a dead dog like me? Woo, come on now. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was still lame in both feet. You know what that tells me? You can have God's blessing even though you don't get full recovery. Full restoration. In other words, if you're still wrestling with some of the past and you don't have it all together yet, I know some of you have it all together, and I mean your breath smells like tulips in the morning, and I, I get it. Some of you got it just all together. But for the rest of us, let me preach to me for just a minute. For the rest of us that are still battling, for the rest of us that are still struggling, for the rest of us that are still crying, for the rest of us that are still grappling with daddy's devils, come on, somebody. I want you to know that you still have the benefit of sitting at the king's table with your crippled, broken parts. Come on. Yes. Watch what? Watch this. I love that last verse because what it says to me is you don't have to be perfect to eat at the king's table. You don't have to be perfect to pray. You don't have to be perfect to worship. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. Now watch this. Now let me dive into a little bit right here. A shameful conscience or a sin conscience is... Uh, is one that will perpetually dwell on wrong and failures and expecting judgment or punishment. 
So a sin conscious, watch it. This is why this is important. If we have a shameful conscious, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, then we will constantly dwell on failures and always be expecting judgment. That's what religion will do to you. It'll make you have a sin conscious because that's all we preach about. You better not this, you better not that, you better not this. But the Bible says that the law gives power to sin. In other words, if all I'm thinking about is not sinning, then I'm not dwelling in grace. I'm dwelling in Lodabar. Come on, is that making sense to anybody? So when we have a sin conscious, that's all we're thinking about. Oh, I better toe the line. I better pray more. better worship more. better not this more. I'm not saying any of those things uh, we should do more or less at all. I'm saying what we have to have is a grace conscience. If we have a sin conscience, it's all about us. What did we do? How did we mess up? But we live in a grace conscience. It's all about what Jesus has already done. Now it's not about what I have to do. It's about what I get to do because I live under his love and his kindness and his umbrella. And he keeps feeding me at his table. Now I don't have to pray. I want to pray. I don't have to worship. I want to worship. Come on. It's the difference between a sin conscience and a grace conscience. Come on. Are you hearing that today, right? God loves you. The power for broken arrows to be restored is not on all the things we mess up on. It's on His grace. And it is grace that gives us the power to overcome. Let me show you this one more way. The devil has been armed with the law ever since Adam sinned. And the law says, I'm crippled because I'm unable to get to the kingdom. Right? Come on. I mean, we can't keep enough... Ten Commandments to get to the kingdom by ourselves. We're spiritually crippled, which brings then condemnation. Man, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. Sin conscious. I did this wrong. And so we have condemnation. Then we come to church. If you've ever been in a church crowd filled with condemnation, it is the worst church service you'll ever be in because nobody feels like they can pray. Nobody feels like they can worship. There's no liberty. There's no freedom. There's no joy because everybody, it just sucks to be here because I have shame overriding because I'm trying to get to the kingdom on my own. It brings condemnation. But Jesus came and he fulfilled the requirements of the law. So now the devil can no longer use the law to condemn you with. How many messed up this week? Be honest in here. Come on, let me see. Somebody messed up that probably was against something that God wanted. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, that's your mess up. Right? But we don't come in here condemned. Why? Because his grace is bigger than all that. And Jesus already fulfilled all the law. And now in him I live. Under his kingdom. At his table I move. Even with my crippled ankles. But as I sit at his table, my crippled ankles are covered in him. Come on, let me show you Colossians chapter, I'm almost out of time. Chapter number 2. It says this. When you were dead in your sins, when you were crippled, living in Lodabar, right? Okay. Uh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. We talked about that in this series. We were legally indebted because of our sins, but because of what Jesus did, it canceled our debt, right? Which stood against and condemned us. That's why there is now therefore no condemnation. He has taken it away and he nailed it to the cross. Do I got any more on that? Yeah. 
and, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, the devil had the law to condemn you with. Jesus showed up, fulfilled the law, died on the cross in our place, forgiving our indebtedness, taking and disarming the devil from ever being able to condemn you with what you did wrong again. Because his grace. Come on, Mephibosheth. Can you just see him at the table? Tablecloth. And when he pulls up to the king's table, he looks like every other son. Because he's covered. His brokenness is covered. Oh, my, my, my. Look at Mephibosheth at the king's table like one of the sons. 2 Samuel chapter number 9. Watch 2 Samuel 9. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. You're a son. You're a daughter. Quit disqualifying yourself because you have something broken. Because you're not Mephibosheth, we're all Mephibosheth. And we all get to sit at God's table. Isn't that good? That's what grace, crippled legs and all. Through grace you are forgiven once and for all. There is no more shame. That, that is what, that, that's what restores the broken arrows. What gives us the power to overcome and restore the broken arrows is no longer living under shame. If you keep living under shame, you just keep repeating the same thing. But when you realize there's no shame, you don't have to hide from God when you mess up. You run to God when you mess up. I told you there's going to be some theology in that. Are you guys grabbing it? Okay. In grace, now watch this real quick and we'll move to point four and five and let you go. In grace, Mephibosheth has his three basic needs met. Remember, love, acceptance, worth. And, and there's a great argument that all those things were missing in his life. But in grace, they're met. Let me show it to you in the New Testament. Watch each need being met in a New Testament verse that would be obviously applied to Mephibosheth, but it's applied to us in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2. Watch if you don't see love, acceptance, and value all being met. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. Okay? Uh, and, and dead in your sins, okay? In other words, you were crippled, like Mephibosheth, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. In other words, the spirit is still working on those that haven't come into the kingdom yet. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh, uh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, because he's walking around in heaven, because of his great kindness, remember the three basic needs of every broken person are being met. Here it is, number one, because of his great love. He loves you. Yeah. Woo! God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Acceptance. A lot, I'm, I'm now seated with Christ. That's acceptance, everyone. Come on, if that's not enough, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved. Go on. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him. There's acceptance again. He seated us with Him. We're, we're sitting just like Mephibosheth with all the other uh, king's sons with broken ankles, but we're seated with him. That's acceptance. Even more acceptance that you can sit there with broken ankles, come on, broken spirits, broken, broken uh, emotions, 
and that we're accepted in him. It goes on and it says this, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches. Come on, there's value. Love, acceptance, and value. God heals them through his son Jesus and through the ministry of grace. And somebody ought to just right now just thank him for his amazing grace. Right, everyone? Come on now. All right. And uh, yeah, go read that on your own. I got to move on. Number four, let's talk about the peace. We got the power. Let's talk about the peace. Where the peace comes from, see, shame has taught us to be occupied with self, but grace teaches us to be occupied with Jesus. And that's when great, or that's when peace starts moving in. See, when we don't have peace, we're occupied with ourself. Our mind is spinning out of control about us. It's a sin conscience, but when we have a grace conscience, our mind can be fixed on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, and that brings us peace. The Bible says he is the peace that has broken down every wall. Remember the walls of Jericho? All right. The more occupied with self, the more uh, crippled and broken I am. Is this right, everybody? Anybody ever deal with fear, depression, anger, anxiety? The more I'm occupied with myself... Even in a religious way, the more crippled I am to live under the abundance of the kingdom. I know I'm, I'm giving you a lot, right? Okay, let me, let me try to just do a little more. Um, but the more I'm occupied with grace, the more at peace and occupied with my position in Christ. When I'm occupied with my position in Christ, then I have peace. Because the devil didn't give it and the devil can't take it away as I used to sing in junior church. All right, 2 Samuel 9, 7. Watch this. 2 Samuel 9, 7. Look at what the king said to the shameful one. Don't be afraid. Why not, God? The world is out of control. Why not, God? I have anxiety. Why not, God? Well, here's why. For I will surely show you grace. I surely have unmerited favor for you. So live in peace. I love that. Okay, uh... And there's more to that, uh, but you can read the rest of it. Let me do number five. Number five, I hope you'll be encouraged with the potential that you have in you as Christ lives in you. Um, watch the potential that happens in Mephibosheth right away. Second Samuel chapter number nine, verse number seven, part B. Here's the potential. You came broken. You're struggling with habitual sin habitual uh, habits that it's the same thing. Watch this. God says, it's okay. I'll restore you. How do I get restored? By learning how to be focused on grace and sit at the table with no condemnation. It's the first step. And when you begin to realize that God's in charge and it is His grace that brings you in and we stop being sin-focused and start being grace-focused, it is the first step to getting us out from under the condemnation that pushes us from God and into the grace that draws us to God and it is only with God that we are restored. Amen, everybody? Yeah, come on now. All right, so I will restore. I love this part. I'm going to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather. I've prayed this for years. See, my dad and my mom and their dads and their moms and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. They lived with crippled legs, never knowing Jesus. My mom and dad in their later years 
But I said, man, what could have been if I could have had a good family tree? Yeah, but God says, I can restore all that to you. In, in other words, friends, what used to be doesn't have to be moving on. <laughs> I, I, we got the third generation of Christians here, right? I mean, I, I, we broke a generational curse and God began to restore as I began to understand grace and let go of my shame and pull up to the king's table. Now I got two kids that love God. Uh, I've got a daughter-in-law that loves God. I got a granddaughter. She's three. She already loves God. Come on, everybody. In other words, what used to be does not have to be anymore. The way I grew up, the next generation doesn't have to grow up. God is saying, I can start today and restore what the enemy stole and pay back what every generation should have had. That is the potential you have by sitting in a black chair and grabbing a hold of this message today. Come on. Right? Watch this. If that doesn't fire you up, let me give you the word restore real quick. Give me restore. Restore means to reinstate. I was out, but I've been reinstated. I was out, but I've been reestablished. That's what grace does. It reinstates. It reestablishes. It brings us back to what God intended for us. I love that. I know you're hurt, but I want you to hear God say, I'm going to restore you. I know you've gone through some bad. I know. I know. I know. There hasn't been a single Sunday in this series. I haven't preached it. I've watched tears flowing down people's face. I know. God knows. But he says, I will restore. I will reinstate. I know you've been lonely, but God says, I'll restore. I know your emotions are broken. I know you are in a hiding place of no communication. But God says, bring him to the kingdom. Now, I could close right there. But there's this one little loose end that i got to close up. <laughs> and just in case you're not here next week, I want you to see three major characters in this story. Just three. I'm just going to give you the three. I want you to see it almost as a stage play. We have Mephibosheth, we have the king, and we have Ziba. Let, let, let me go through them all. We have Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, we've already established through this message that we're all... Mophibosheth. We're all broken arrows. Some of us have small fractures. Some of us have big fractures. But sin has dropped us all, everybody. So before you get feeling all high and mighty about yourself, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, wow, it takes courage to stand up there and talk about all your issues. And I said, no, it really doesn't because you're a sinner just like me. I'm not sure how they like that, but all have sinned. The guy preaching has sinned. We have all had to walk through the door of grace to get where we're at. Let me say it one more time. We're all Mephibosheth. We're all broken. Some of us have broken morals. Some of us don't have broken morals. Some of us have broke-er emotions than others do. But we are all broken spiritually and living outside of the kingdom. That's Mephibosheth. That's us. We play a part in this play. But then there's the king. Can we thank God for the king? The king, David, and his blood and the covenant that he made is a picture. Jesus is a king whose blood covenant allowed him to show kindness to us no matter what we've been through. Come on. Crippled, shameful sons and daughters that sin has dropped, his blood goes and gets and brings into his kingdom. Now, here's the loose end that I haven't tied up yet. So we have Mephibosheth. We're all Mephibosheth. 
we have a king. Jesus is our king. But the person I haven't talked about is Ziba. Ziba is a faithful servant. And Mephibosheth may have never got to the kingdom if it had not been for a servant. Ah, I hope you are listening right now. Because Ziba's name could have been the church. Mm -hmm. There's G God in his kingdom. There's Jesus wanting to show grace to a crippled individual. And he's looking instead of him going. He's already been on the battlefield. He's already conquered Goliath. He's already ascended out of the grave. Now I choose to use my servants called the body of Christ called the church, and I put spiritual gifts in all of them, come on, and I put personalities and talents and, and desires and hungers and visions and dreams in every single one of them, and all I need is a Ziba, all I need is a faithful servant, all I need is somebody to step up, all I need is somebody to say, no longer will shame keep me in the shadows, but use me, God, I'll go out there and I'll bring the shameful ones into the kingdom kingdom of God. Come on, everybody. Woo! I wish you was about 20 years younger. I would pick you up, Matt, and I would carry you around. It gets exhausting dealing with crippled individuals. It gets exhausting carrying Mephibosheth's Man, they're exhausting because they get mad at you for trying to help. Because they'd rather stay in the familiar than move to the unfamiliar, even though it's better. It gets exhausted. They'll cuss you out while you're carrying them. But God's looking for some Zybas. Mephibosheth might be ungrateful, may never thank you for carrying him in, may never thank you for the shoes that he got on his feet. May never thank you for the free meal they got. May never thank you for the invitation they got to the event. May never thank you for the invitation to church where their life turned around. They may never thank you for carrying them. When they couldn't find Jesus, you knew Jesus. And you knew how to get them to Jesus. And it's time the church stands up and starts carrying some shameful ones in to the body of Christ. Come on, say a good amen to that. All right, got to be done. That's all, folks, as Porky Pig said once. 